You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Hello, I'm Christy Landwehr. And I'm Sarah Honiger, and you are listening to the special monthly NRHA episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network this Thursday, September 14th. Good morning, horse world. It's the second Thursday of the month. That means it's time to slide in to the National Reigning Horse Association episode of Horses in the Morning. I cannot believe all of the exciting things that have happened since the last show. One of them being the run for a million that happens each year in Las Vegas. Do you want to share a little bit more about what all that was about, Sarah? Sure. It was an awesome event. You know, we love going there. Obviously, it's a huge event for our riders. There's the million dollar event which they have to either qualify for at the $100,000 shootout the previous year at the Run for a Million or in Arizona at the specific qualifier for the event. So that's major for our riders to be able to compete for that huge chunk of money. The winner receives $500,000, so it's massive. However, there's also a lot of other great competition that goes on. There's a rookie shootout, a non-pro event, the $100,000 open shootout, And this year, for the first time, they had a youth reigning. That was awesome. Oh, my gosh. So much fun to watch. And, you know, we talked about the whole time how we just get to see and mingle with so many people that are brand new to reigning. And we love that. I thought it was so much fun. And, you know, that South Point Arena, for those that are listening that have never been there, you can literally be in your hotel room and watch what's going on in the arena on their TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And they have so many things going on and it's all connected. We had a huge storm while we were there that um, hurricane came in and you wouldn't even have known it except for a little bit of the pounding of the rain on the roof. We're all very much contained inside our hotel. It was crazy. That is so true. It was so much fun. And the winner of the run for a million itself this year was Jason Van Landingham on his horse, Best Shine, owned by Bob Sanagata. So that was so exciting for him. You could just really see the emotion at the end of that run. The arena went crazy. And uh, Danny Tremblay won the reserve championship on Tinker with Dreams, who is owned by one of our corporate partners. And, um, you know, it was a really exciting event. I love hearing the crowd there. The crowd just goes crazy. And it's really fun because even the runs that don't score as high, that crowd is so involved and so behind those riders. Um, So you really can just tell at those events how many new folks to reigning there really are. It is so energetic. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm the corporate partner person for NRHA. So I would be remiss in not saying that I was kind of happy that, you know, the first place Bob Santagata with Santa Hill is a corporate partner. And then second place, um, Danny, of course, is with Diamond Dub, who's also a corporate partner. So that was all very exciting, too. There was just so many good things going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of corporate partners, this next week, you're doing some neat ranch tours. Is that right? 
Sure am. So going to be going out and seeing, first of all, Prefert. Very excited to see Prefert. Um, they are one of our official corporate partners, and they have so many amazing things under one roof, 40 acres under one roof of their panels and their uh, feeders and, of course, their hot walkers. I mean, everything that they do. And my husband's a little jealous, Sarah. He's like, really? <laughs> you get to go see it? Why am I not going to go see that. <laughs> yes. I uh, have heard from other folks who have gone just how incredible it is. Like you just can't simply imagine everything they have under one roof, but also they're just the nicest folks. They are so nice. And they're in Mount Pleasant, Texas. So it's a little far removed from airports. But I'll tell you, it's going to be great. Very, very much looking forward to that. And then um, we're going to be doing some ranch tours. We're going to go to um, Oswood. And Leonardo Archese has his horses there. So that'll be fun. And then Cinder Lake, Cedar Ridge, Foles Are Us. I mean, there's many that are right there in that kind of Weatherford, Whitesboro Mm -hmm. area. So really looking forward to seeing them in person at their ranches instead of always at just the shows. be great. Oh, that'll be awesome. I need you to send me pictures of all the babies. Yes. Oh, looking forward to that for sure. So will do. And then this is exciting. Our um, affiliate regional championships are now underway. Sarah, do you want to explain a little bit more about what those are all about? Yeah, I would love to. They're an awesome piece of NRHA. It's really that grassroots level that we love so much. And there are 10 across North America, So we have two in Canada and one in Mexico, and they are a great way not only to just plug into your local reigning community, but also they qualify you for our Adequan North American Affiliate Championships, which are in conjunction with our futurity. So riders can go and show at an affiliate regional championship as long as they are a member of an affiliate. And then if they score higher than a zero there, then they can come and join us at the NAAC in November, December. And that's so exciting because there are shootouts, there's saddles for prizes. The prizes for those North American affiliate championships are just massive. And it's so fun to be there showing with the futurity. You know, we always call it our Super Bowl of reigning. But to come and get to show at that same time and have your Video be recognized on the Jumbotron. I mean, there's a bunch of really fun buzz and energy going on. So to be part of all that is just a blast. And the start of that are these affiliate regional championships. And, you know, we love to see the riders and horses that win these championships. We highlight them in our Rainer magazine. So even if you don't plan to come to Oklahoma City or that's not on your bucket list for this year, I definitely encourage folks to go and watch participate. Um, If you're looking for one in your area, all those shows, their location and uh, dates are on nrha.com slash affiliate. Perfect. And they are literally all over. I mean, you might have one nearer to you than you think. So be able to go and see them and experience them. Um, They're free and open to the public to come watch. So please come and do that. Very nice. Absolutely. Well, we're excited about the show today. Do you want to kind of share with everyone, Sarah, what we're going to launch into? Yeah, absolutely. So we have two awesome guests today. We have an NRHA judge, Hoot Bricker, who's from Pennsylvania, and NRHA professional, Josiane Gautier, who is in North Carolina. So, you know, really 
an East Coast episode here today. It is unusual. Um, it is. Um, so it's awesome. I love that. We're going to be talking about the nuances of the spin and how to train your horse one step at a time to achieve this. So we'll have some different perspectives and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to it. We are so excited to have Ed Bricker, known as Hoot, on our show today. He has been a member of the NRHA since 1983 and is on the National Reining Horse Association Executive Committee and represents the Northeast because he lives in Pennsylvania. He has been a staunch supporter of local affiliates and has extensive committee experience, including serving as the chair of our NRHA Stewards Committee. He brings lots of experience as a longtime member, an NRHA judge, and a steward. Hi, Hoot. Welcome to the show. Hello, Christy and Sarah. Uh, how's everybody doing today? We're good. We're happy to have you with us. Well, it's it's a it's an honor to be asked to come on here. I've listened to some of the episodes, and it's a, it's a great show. Well, thank you. We are so excited to just jump right in. But before we dive into our topic today, I would love to know because I don't know how Ed became hooped. How did all that occur? Well, I can give you the colorful version, which I think is true, but that's what do they say when the legend becomes uh, better than the truth? You go with the you go with the legend <laughs> or the story. So uh, my gr- my grandpa, my my dad's dad gave me that nickname as uh, I was very young and uh, I was I, I had a bad I was born with a bad bad wheel. I was born with a bad foot and I had a lot of operations on it and was always in a brace and whatnot. And I rode my pony and was always down around the barn and on the ponies. And I guess one of his favorite Western movie stars was Hoot Gibson. And thus he started calling me Hoot and it has stuck because not many people call me Ed. I am now going to have to look that person up. I have not seen shows, I think, with Hoot Gibson. I'm going to have to look, look him up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was a long time ago, but yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much how I believe I got the nickname. That's and, awesome. Uh, I... But, and it, it, it was, I was about two or three and it stuck. Like I said, not many people call me Ed. Everybody calls me Hoot. I remember when I first started working at NRHA like five years ago now, and I asked someone where Ed Bricker was and they truly did not know who I was talking about. <laughs> And then <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're like, oh, hoot, duh. <laughs> just so, as long as the pay, just as long as the paychecks have the right name on it, that's the main thing. <laughs> that's go. right. <laughs> so, hoot, walk us through how you decided to become an NRHA judge and steward. Well, uh, when I, I joined, I believe, the NRHA when I was 15. I mean, it was I went to the Congress in uh, 1982 and seen the fraternity and watched a member of our Hall of Fame win the fraternity. And I had a two-year-old and be, got interested in the rain, you know, raining, and that's what I wanted to do. And I joined in 1983, and I always uh, read the rule book, always felt that if you knew the rules, it uh, helps the sport that you choose not easier, but more understandable. So I started reading the rule book. And then as time went on, uh, I uh, was showing a lot and it, it, you know, I always knew, and that was before the new judges system. Cause when did that start in 1986 or seven? 
But at, at the beginning, you know, you, they just called a score in. And I remember standing, we used to put a show on with Tri-State Raining Horse Association. It was called the uh, Spectacular Slide-In. Uh, and we had it at Butch Cardell's in South Park, Pennsylvania. And we moved it to uh, Swickley, uh, Allegheny Country Club in Swickley, Pennsylvania, and ended up in Lawrence County Fairgrounds. But you just stood next to the judge, and they gave you a score, and you called it in. And then when the new judging system took place, I always read, learned penalties. So when you were showing, you sort of knew where you were at or how to look at your card and understand your score better. And uh, I just, I was young and always interested. And then my brother Donnie, who uh, is in Texas now, but he left for the West Coast. And I had some two-year-olds in that at home. And I thought, well, I'm not just going to ride and break these colts anymore. I got to start showing again. So I went to an applicant seminar in Buffalo, New York, just to learn the rules and uh, go through the seminar on what the judges, you know, were looking for, mark, you know, how we marked, how our system and our industry was going forward. And I went to the applicant seminar and I passed it and I went to the Oklahoma City to take the test and I passed that and I was lucky enough to start judging some shows right away. And, uh, I just, I, I really enjoy our system. I enjoy our committee, our industry. I feel we are the best judging there is in the world because as we can see, a lot of associations have adopted ours and just becoming always more educated and, uh, working on making our system better and more consistent. And I just, that was it. I just always had an interest, you know, reading the book and, learning. And then when I become a steward, I was at a uh, recertifying to be judge at the, you know, it's a retest. And Karen McQuistensen, who had just taken the stewards program over and was revamping and doing everything. And she asked me if I would be interested in taking the stewards test. And I thought, well, I'm just sitting here. So I knew the book and I took the test and passed. And Karen and Ann Salmon asked me if I'd like to be more involved. And I got on the committee and I was on the committee for a long time until I turned out and I was the chair for, you know, a few years, a couple terms and uh, worked on getting our program, which Karen had a great foundation and uh, worked on just making it more steady and consistent and getting good, uh, you know, the good people we have on our stewards list and our committee, everybody involved and moving forward. Hooch, I love that because, you know, the rule book is everything for all the different breed shows, all the different discipline shows, and not everyone's good about reading it. So the fact that you were there and you wanted to read it at such a young age and that you followed the changes and the nuances of it, that's fantastic. Well, and I feel any sport you do, whether, you know, you have children, you go to midget football, little league soccer, and you have the parents that want to stand and uh, pick out all the problems, but never have a solution. And I think with our rule book, we have the solutions printed. And if people take the time to read it and understand our penalties and our maneuver evaluations, our maneuver descriptions, there's, you know, I, I think our industry puts a lot out there for our owners, riders, trainers, everybody to learn and see what we are judging and how we are judging uh, that it's, it, you know, I think it's, it's 
at our fingertips and everyone needs to take advantage of it. I agree. And education is key. And so on today's show, we're going to be educating those that are listening about how to judge the spin. And of course, the spin is an big part, right, of raining and what people kind of always think about, right, when it comes to raining, the big sliding stops and the spin. So tell us as a judge what you are looking for when you're judging that maneuver in a pattern. Well, again, I mean, I hate to be so old school, but uh, I would like to just start out when, you know, the first thing you're always running through your mind is to rein a horse is not only to guide him, but also to control his every movement. You know, the best reined horse should be willingly guided and or controlled with little or no apparent resistance, dictated to completely. So we run a general, which was, you know, part of the, you know, part of our industry since day, I don't want to say day one, but since the beginning with, uh, and, and it's just sticks in your head when you're judging. So that always comes into mind. That's the first thing, but there's different patterns, which, uh, we have pattern six and eight, which the horses walk in and spin. So on a walk-in pattern, that horse is walking in. You want to see it walking in, you know, comfortably, uh, movement coming, you know, movement, good movement coming in, just walking or jogging in and getting to the center. Now, the beginning of that spin would be pattern placement, which in the center, we give you a horse width, not we, the committee has decided there's a horse width each way. There's a center, a horse width, and a horse width in the, you know, to be facing that middle judge. So the, the pattern placement is the beginning. So when the horse walks in, you like to see the horse walking in, uh, confident, the rider walking in everything, you know, cause you are being judged from the moment you walk in. So walking in and a relaxed horse moving, coming to the center, not, people picking their hand up, readjusting, readjusting. That's all, that's all put on the first maneuver or first, uh, yeah, the first maneuver of your pattern, which on six and eight would be walking in and spinning. So the horse walks to the center. Now, is he within our allowed, our allowed part of being off center? Is he in the center? So there's number two. Number three would be the lead where we allow the lead change, the stride before, the stride of center, and the stride after. As long as that horse is in that in that area, they are on pattern and correct. And then we add degree of difficulty. Now, once we get that far in, I mean, that seems maybe a little complicated, but that is where we, uh, how I start or how we start as judges to begin judging the spin. I, I I will read the description of a spin out of our rule book that it's on page 150, begins on page 151 and ends on page 152. Uh, spins. Spins are a series of 360 degree turns executed over stationary inside hind leg. Propulsion for the spin is supplied by the outside rear leg and front legs and contact should be made with the ground and a front leg. The location of the hindquarters should be fixed at the start of the spin and maintained throughout the spins. It is helpful for a judge to watch for the horse to remain in the same location rather than watching for the stationary inside leg. This allows for easier focus on other elements 
of the spin, i.e. cadence, attitude, smoothness, finesse, and speed. So now that horse walks to the center. It's in our area of where we want. On a run-in pattern, it would run in, stop, back up to the center. Again, you want that horse in that box of what we allow, which is in the rule book, and it is back in the description. But now that horse is in the center of the pen where it is going to spin. So now the rider lets the horse settle. You like to see a relaxed horse not walking forward, walking back, moving sideways, moving all around. That horse stands relaxed. Now they pick up and the horse gets off the outside ring, that inside leg. And again, it says, you know, in an area. So you sort of look for it, you know, as long as it's a two by two box, you know, that inside leg is in a box, not wandering back and forth and drives with the outside leg and the front legs, one leg always making contact. And we do four revolutions or four and a quarter, depending on the which pattern you are doing in the, you know, in the rule book. So now you're looking for on pattern, correct, and degree of difficulty. So following that maneuver description, you want to see the horse crossing over up front, the outside leg driving, and that inside leg saying con- contained, you know, in that two by two area with no wandering. And then we add in degree of difficulty. So as Sammy Hagar sang, you know, I can't drive 55, just because you're going fast, if there is, if you are not within that maneuver description and correct, credit cannot be given. There may be a deduction and we are in, we are looking for on pattern, correct degree of difficulty. So we add all that in and then as we judge it, as it was discussed in circles, there's four spins. So you could have, maybe your horse sucks back a little bit at first spin or goes a little forward and then gets in. You have a minus half first turn or a zero first turn. And then you can have two plus half turns and then a zero turn. We have to take all that into consideration and average to come up to your score of minus one and a half to plus one and a half. So you can have a bobble in a turn and still end up at a zero plus half or a zero minus half or up and down the scale because they're all four revolutions are judged. You're averaging the four revolutions to come up with the score from minus one and a half to plus one and a half. And it's happens very fast. You have, you know, one, two, three, four, and thinking in your head, what was spin one, two, three, and four and coming up with, the average of those four and giving a maneuver maneuver score to best fit that description of that maneuver. Well, I just have so much respect for our NRHA judges and being able to do what y'all do. Obviously there's so much that goes into that one maneuver alone. And if people are sitting on a reigning horse the first time and ride that spin, I mean, just sitting on it, it feels so overwhelming to view it from a chair and judge it with everything you have to take into consideration is incredible. And, and we also, I mean, there's the, you know, we talk about inside rain, this, you know, it is a neck raining sport. You can have a little too much inside rain showing with a snaffle bit or a hackamore two handed, you know, you want your hands in the middle in the steering box to say, 
not using a lot of inside rain to pull the horse around. That does not follow uh, correct. So uh, that is, you know, we have to take everything into consideration from when they run a snaffle bit hackamore class, two-handed to mm-hmm. one-handed with people, you you know, using a little too much inside rain. There's, uh, you know, and you're you're putting that all into all four spins. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, you mentioned perspective. Um, for folks listening that don't know, at our largest added money events, we do have five judges in the chair. There's three on one side of the arena and two on the other. And a great feature of our judges program is we drop the highest and the lowest score. So who, with those different chairs, can you tell us a little bit about how that perspective um, kind of might change for some of these maneuvers for which one you're in? Well, for the spins, if you're sitting on the backside, you don't get to see the horse's front end as well uh, when they shut off. You don't get to see if the horse, how bad it throws its head or that, you know, the, the, the actual, but you get to see that rear very good. If that, if the hips kick, you know, a little bit or doesn't stand up balanced, you get to see that a little better from the rear, the front, you get to see the head and the neck. And then in chair two, if in the rule book, we have the description of overspins up, we give a little up to an eighth, we give, and then up, up to, and then from an eighth to a quarter is a half point penalty. And from that quarter spot up to the 90, up to the 90 is a one point penalty in chair two you got the best bird's eye view of that penalty chairs one three four and five as soon as you sit in that chair you have to make your make your zone where your half point and one point penalty are just because of the angle and the perspective of that chair and uh and i mean that's with every maneuver from circles to stops to lead changes depending on where you're at chairs one two three four and five you have a different perspective in that angle. But in the spins, it's mainly, I don't want to say mainly, but is drawing your lines for the half-point penalty and the one-point penalty is, uh, is, is a big thing to do right away when you're in the middle chairs. But again, if our system works wonderfully, because as you said, the high and the low are thrown, thrown out. And you can, uh, the, the, the three middle scores are added up and if our system works time and time again, if the you know if it's red and the rules are red, and people understand it, uh, it's it 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 works it works to a teeth. So that is that's one thing. But sitting in the different chairs just gives you a different angle and perspective. Spins are just the front side. You get to see that head when they stop and shut off. The rear, you get to watch the hips a little better when they shut off and what happens there. But again, it's sitting on those edge chairs. You have to draw your line and make your make your call for the half point, one point overspin and underspins. Well, I think that's awesome knowledge for people listening. And, you know, since we've both now mentioned our judges system and that high and low score, I don't want to get us in the weeds, but just to mention, too, that we do have um, – videographer placed in one location throughout our entire shows and there are penalties that are reviewable and so our judges you will sometimes see them get out of the chair if there is a penalty that they'd like to review and you know I think that's really unique about our sport too and really helps everything be as exact as possible and I just think that that's a fact we need everyone to know too 
Right. Or in, in, in a, you know, in a, in a one judge system, if there's a videographer and every horse was, we feel every horse was videoed, we have that opportunity to review certain two point penalties, five point penalties, uh, our major five point penalties and our, uh, certain and all zeros, we get to review them and our, uh, twos and fives that are reviewable are listed in the rule book, uh, in the rules for judging. So you, you can see which ones are reviewable. But again, like you said, in a spin, the main, uh, is a freeze up, uh, overspins for a zero and or a freeze up would be the reviewable in, uh, in the spins. That would be mainly what the judges are looking for to see if the horse, if the lateral movement of that horse, the shoulder, the lateral movement of the shoulder stopped uh, briefly in that spin, that would be a two-point freeze up. And uh, that is a reviewable penalty, which is a great thing of our sport that we get to do that. To Hoot, this know, has make been sure we're so getting outcome deep. correct. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, this has been so detailed and so good to be able to kind of see the nuances. And, you know, there's a lot to a reigning pattern. And the spin is just one of many maneuvers. But thank you so much for delving into all of that. Is the best place to find information on you to go to nrha.com and then um, slash judges? Is that where yes, you would um, like to send people? Okay, great. I am on the judges list, the stewards list, and on the on the board and uh, on the board list. But my phone number and email is there. And one thing I would like to send, tell you know, just to mention, there you can go to NRHA. Uh, 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 shop and there is a maneuver evaluation tape that has just been made and it has a voiceover on each of our maneuvers. So that is people can go there and buy that tape and watch it and really get an understanding of how each maneuver is judged and what the description of that maneuver is. Yes, and it is so well done. And for those of you, too, you can also join us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And we also have some things sometimes on those as well. But, yes, that's a wonderful reference. Thank you so much for reminding everybody about it. So, Hoot, thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate right, it. I thank you, and I want to congratulate uh, Christy and Sarah, both of you. I know Sarah's just won some awards, and I know the office staff has uh, – been doing a great job and just have some accolades also and i would like to you know just congratulate you guys and say what a wonderful job you do for nrha oh my gosh hoot thank you so much that really means a lot and you know we do have such a stellar team at nrha and among those awards was actually the general excellence award from the american horse publications for our rainer magazine which is a huge honor and it's a great team of folks with Morris Communications that help us put together that publication. And at the head of that is our dear friend, Kelsey Pisick. And I just have to give a shout out to her and that team. A couple other articles won awards as well this year. And so we're really, really thrilled to be part of that. Well, I'm so excited. Our next guest today is Josiane Gauthier from Quebec, Canada, who now works out of North Carolina. And she trains reining horses and coaches many non-pros. It's really a family affair. Her husband, Russell, and their two daughters all enjoy the sport of reining. And she has represented NRHA all over the world. She represented Canada at the World Equestrian Games in France in 2014. And Josiane is so dedicated to giving back to the sport. 
Josiane, thank you so much for being on today, even while showing and coaching non-pros at the biggest training <laughs> we've had so far this year in Tulsa. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you taking this podcast call while being at this show, you know, shows your dedication. But also before we get into our questions, I just have to highlight another thing that I think is special, which is that Josiane is always one of our NRHA professionals who donates her time to our NRHYA buy a pro auction. This happens every year and it's a huge fundraiser for our youth and our affiliates. And it allows people who are not connected to reining to connect with a horse trainer, which I kind of compare it to pretend you're wanting to get better at football. And then you could just call up someone who plays in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so cool and such unique opportunity and Josiane has always been such a supporter. And this year, actually, Angela, a woman, bought her lessons and now <laughs> takes lessons there permanently, which is such a fun success story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was such a great finding. And um, Angela was such a great example of why this program is so successful and so important. And and she lived so close to me and didn't even really know that there was raining so close to her. And now... She, you know, did the lesson and enjoyed it, came back for more lessons, then bought tickets, went for the run for the million and just, I think is slowly kind of getting really hooked into this. Yes. She was so excited. She ran over to our booth to meet me and <laughs> went it. on and on about how wonderful her experience has been. So I just think it's so, so neat. That's awesome. Well, Josiane, you know, we've talked about how you've helped get others in training. Can you tell us a little bit how you yourself got involved? Absolutely. Um, it's definitely been a family affair. Um, it started with my grandpa raising horses and my dad, um, you know, horse trainer. We had a farm, we had a farm in Quebec, Canada. So I grew up with, you know, being able to ride from a very young age. Um, and my father moved to North Carolina back in 92 or 93. And, um, so I just continue riding and competing as a youth. And, uh, when I finished high school, I, moved in with him and, and started um, my career pretty early, you know, as a young age, but I, uh, this, I showed as a non-pro and um, also controlled and did his breeding operation. So we had um, six to seven stallion. We probably bred about 150 mares on our property and pulled out about 60 to 80 mares. So we had a pretty big breeding program. So we, uh, we did that for, uh, and I showed non-pro for, for a while and then become a pro, I think, in 2011 or 2012. And um, since then, I've kind of continued pursuing my dream and training horses and competing all over the world. Josie Ann, thank you so much again for being on today. And oh my gosh, not oh, I, we, we feel really lucky that we chose you because you've been having such success and we didn't even do it on purpose. So first of all, <laughs> chat with us a little bit about the um, show in Ocala where you won the Derby for the Open Level 4. And then I hear just recently, congratulations, you also won the Futurity in Level 3 Open there in Tulsa. So give us a little bit about both of those shows and how that all went for you. Absolutely. Well, the first one was in Ocala. Um, I competed on a horse named uh, Alpha One Special Night. He belongs to Spig Stable, clients of mine. It's Kaylee and Kevin Thomas. And um, it's a really cool six-year-old gelding. And I'm really thankful to have him in my program. He came from a, a really good program um, 
Cole Price and his wife, Kelsey, showed him was really successful. And then he became a non-pro horse. And um, when he came to me last year, he it was more in the mindset to, to see where he was at in his life and, and put him on the market and find him a good place. And, and we just happened to really click. And, and that's when my clients stepped in and bought him. And this year has just been a great year to kind of discover him a little bit and bring him back to life and, and kind of see you know, what he wants to do. And that run in Ocala was, was such a great um, win for us because it really was a full year of work where he put everything back together and really give everything that he had. And so it, it, it was cool for him to be able to, to showcase what he can do all together and, and do that in a big arena like, like in Ocala. So I was pretty tickled for everybody involved, and especially the clients who kind of you know, put their fate into us and the horse and, and took a leap and bought him. And so it's just been such a great journey, um, you know, doing this for them and him and myself. Um, he sounds amazing. And then how about your, your, your futurity that, that just happened there at Tulsa, which, which horse oh were you on for that? That little guy, I swear, I fell in love with this horse. Um, I got lucky because my brother and his wife, Yanina, they had him in training and, um, I get a little bit of front row ticket if they have something nice that they have to sell. So they told me, they're like, we have one for you to try when you come at the fraternity. Um, cause I always lay over in Texas for a week before we go to the big fraternity in November. And, uh, so I rode him for a couple days there at their ranch and just down, um, his registered name is Paleface Vintage. We call him Dream On. And he's really like a dream. And he's the cutest little thing. He's a stud colt, but he's Palomino, really dark dappled. And he's the sweetest thing. He doesn't even know he's a stallion. Everybody falls in love with his personality and his demeanor. But um, so I tried him, fell in love with him. And I had a client that exactly what she wanted was an upcoming three-year-old. And he was going to either be for her as a non-pro or for me if he was going to be good enough. And so he, it was really no pressure training him because he didn't have any major huge agenda. It was, if, you know, you want to be good enough, this is where you're going to be. But if you have, you know, just a little bit more limited talent here and there, this is where you're going to fall. And um, he just continued blooming and, and getting better and better every day. And um, so he was great. And we did take him to Ocala too, to kind of just get his feet wet and, um, and it was good for him. I think it was a really big learning curve and needed at that show to, I think, as far as experience goes. And then when he came here, um, I could feel that the experience he gained in Ocala was really paying off because he was really calm and quiet and, and he was almost like I was running him at home. So um, I was really tickled and he had a really good run for me and, and was able to stay on top for, a very long time. It was a pretty big class with 170 horses. So it, it, um, I was pretty proud of him. Well, congratulations again. That's so awesome. And he sure is cute. Um, so speaking of, you know, kind of getting to hear that training process of what you've gone through with him on this podcast today, we're talking about the specific maneuver of the spin. So could you talk to us a little bit about the steps that you go through when first training a horse to do that maneuver? Absolutely. And, you know, a spin, it's all about cadence. It's like if somebody's learning how to dance and they've got to learn a certain step and, you know, you see some line, line dancing and at the beginning, sometimes you could be missing a step and you got to get back in. And once you know to dance, you can dance it really, really fast and you can 
have your own style to it. Well, I feel like teaching a horse how to turn kind of have to have the same mindset. You have to start slow and just teach them each step. And depending of the horse talent, because not every horse have the talent to turn fast, um, then you, you feel what kind of, you know, potential they have and you just continue help develop that, that potential. Um, but for sure it's one step at a time at the beginning and, and they have to have a lot of understanding of where their body and their feet are to learn how to turn. Um, you know, it's, it's messy. It's not really just, you know, pulling them into that turn and, and kind of letting them figure it out. There's a lot of exercise that we work outside the turnaround to help them teach rhythm and where to put their feet and what our hands mean and, and what they mean as far as where we want them to lay their feet and what our outside leg means for pressure, if that means speed up or, uh, or lift your belly and, and all that. So when they understand what our hands and our legs mean, then we can help them develop that turnaround without them being scared of our legs or our hands. They can really kind of just use us to develop that turnaround into the best um, body shape possible so they can turn the best way possible. And every horse have a different feel. Some horses are a little bit more strung out where their feet are a little bit in front of them. And some horses will turn with their feet really close together or horse will sit back on their hocks or, um, want to walk out. There's just different style of horses and, and you'll have to develop each horses depending of, of, you know, how they start off. But a, a main exercise that I think is a pretty generic one for any type of horses is that we'll start by walking and then trotting some small circles. And the circle has to be pretty small. Like the length of your horse is how I describe it would be the size of your, of your circle. And just by trotting some some small circles and kind of teaching the rhythm and clucking and bumping the, 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 your legs a little bit just with the rhythm and kind of helping the horse to, to find a good step into a small circle will help them get their timing, get their rhythm and shape them for a turnaround. And then you can slow it down and make it smaller and smaller and just let them go into that turnaround until they can mimic that trotting step or that walking circle into a small circle and then into a turnaround. And at the beginning, you know, if, if they're brand new, it might be just one step, then it might be two steps, then it might be three steps, and eventually it's a full turn. And you just build on from that, you know, rainers are not built overnight. And that's why it takes so long to teach one because they just got to repeat the same thing and they got to be confident and, and they don't do it as a, you know, because they're forced to do it, but they do it because they want to do that. So it's just repeating the same maneuver and, and letting them figure out where to put their feet. So, but trotting their circles is definitely a good exercise to help them want to go into that turnaround and practice their cadence. And the better they are at it, the faster that circle can be. And, you know, you can add a little bit more pressure once they get more comfortable with that exercise. That is so good. And then when you're coaching your riders, whether they're a youth rider or a non-pro adult or whatever the case may be, is there, what do you tell them, you know, to kind of guide them through this process? What, what are some of your coaching tools to get them to have success in the spin? So if, uh, if it's a finished rainer and I'm coaching somebody to just teach the horse that, or not teach the horse, but like to go show a turnaround. Um, I think the biggest thing, like if it's a show turn, they'll have to make sure that they do their cue to start to turn around, which for me, my cues are open my inside leg, 
outside rain, and then I cluck. Those are my first three three cues that I use to indicate that I want to start turning. So if I want to turn to the right, I tell them, open your right leg, outside rein, which would be my left rein, and then I cluck. And then I let the horse take the, fr- the first step. And then once they get into that turnaround, then they can start clucking every time they come around. So, and, and the biggest thing is having the cluck and having to manage your horse plus count to four, right? <laughs> you can only do four turnarounds. So um, they'll learn to start to turn nice. And then example, if, if you start your horse and you're at like 12 o'clock and you start your turnaround and then you can start clucking when your horse is facing six o'clock and then you count when your horse is facing back 12. So you start off cluck at six, then you count one and then clock at six again and then you count two and then clock at six you count three and clock at six and then you say whoa and then you've turned four times you've helped your horse by clucking and getting a little bit more momentum in that turnaround and it really helps you um you know not being lost in that turn and finding where your center is and make sure you can count to four um so that's definitely kind of the basic as far as like just one two three whoa and never count to four always one two three whoa because if you count to four most of the time you've done five turns but um just one two three whoa and and kind of keep it you know basic now if if the horse didn't have a good position or was a little bit lazy in the turnaround or didn't put enough effort now just getting them out of that turnaround jogging small circle getting some rhythm going stuff and then asking in the same way uh would be kind of my basic um exercise to to get somebody comfortable to turn to count and then get the horse um, to do the best job that he can do in, in that situation. Awesome. I just know that so many people are going to be in arenas in their backyard at a show pen, wherever it might be practicing these easy tips. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Josie Ann, this was so fun to get to hear about. I just know people are going to be trying this at home and you've made it so simple, whether someone was a rainer or not. And I think that is so awesome. If folks want to get a hold of you after this podcast comes out and maybe answer or get to ask you some questions or come and visit you at your place, where's the best way for them to find more information on you and reach out to you? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. Um, so my website is www.jgperformancehorses.com. Um, also have uh, our Facebook page, which is Josie and Godier Performance Horses. And there's always um, kind of fun updates. That's where I kind of brag about the clients if they did some in the show pen or recent wins. So those are always a fun place to, to keep up with us and where we're going next. Um, and, and, it's pretty easy to send me a personal message on that business page from Facebook. So if somebody has some questions or they want some tips or they'd like to come visit, we're in Lucoma, North Carolina, and we're really close from high 95. So a lot of people that are traveling from up North down to Florida, they just come right by us. So we're, we're pretty accessible and we always welcome, you know, people to come to the ranch and meet us and, and all that. So uh, if, if anybody has, you know, they're traveling by and they want to come and stop by or have any question. We're, we're always open doors. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure there's going to be people that take you up on that offer. And thank you again for joining us today. And we wish you the best of the luck this week at Tulsa. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been a blessing for me to be able to answer some question and be part of this. And, and if I can be of any help in the future, I'd be more than happy. Well, that was so much fun having Josie Ann on and our East Coast highlight today. I just had the best time. I did too. It was wonderful. And I'll tell you, the spin is something, you know, I mean, from the turn on the haunch all the way to spitting, right? It's just an adventure to just kind of know and work with the horse and do what you need to do. And it's just so great. All these different resources and things for those of you listening to be able to reach out to and to be able to utilize to get your horses to all start doing it because boy, is it fun to ride? I literally, the first time I rode a rainer and I did the spin, I just giggled out loud. (laughs) It was great. I did too. And I remember thinking I was going so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I looked at the video and I was like, oh, that's not really that fast that I was going. <laughs> yes. Uh, the trainer I was with was like, so are you going to do it again and actually do it? Or are you just going to have fun going in slow motion? What's the vibe today? <laughs> that is great. You thought you were definitely not in slow motion. Oh, for oh. sure. For sure. So good. So how do people find out more about not only this podcast, Sarah, but also NRHA? Yeah. So earlier you had mentioned that our social media is a great resource on our Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We do have videos that go through each maneuver in an educational way, as well as just a bunch of fun content to look at. We also have NRHA.com slash education which would be a great page that would really have a lot of resources from today's conversations. I think people would find what's on there really interesting. Whether you want to know about maneuvers, you could watch a video that goes through every single one of them. It's a really great resource. And um, we also have a fan newsletter. If people just kind of want to know about more events coming up or how to get involved with things, they could go to nrha.com slash fan and sign up for that newsletter. And to find this podcast, Horses in the Morning, on the Horse Radio Network, you can just go ahead and download it from your favorite PlayStation, on your whether it's an Apple or whether it's an Android. Just go to your store and you can download it there. Absolutely. And if people want to listen to past episodes, if this is the first time you've joined us and you're really interested in what we've talked about in past months, all of them can be found at nrha.com slash podcast. We've had so much fun today and we are so glad you joined us. Now go and have the slide of your life.